This is episode 431 with coach and author Angela Lewis. Welcome to Athlete Maestro, a podcast tailored for athlete development, improvement, and peak performance. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to the podcast, guys. And if there's anything you know about the podcast, it's that we don't do many interviews, not for the lack of getting requests or not for the lack of trying, but it's just by design because I want to be the one teaching. And I want to be sure that any message from anyone that I'm passing across hits the nail on the head and of course you learn something tangible from that particular episode so i was pleasantly surprised when i received an email from angela you know wanted to come on the podcast and of course wanted to share a knowledge as well it took me all of two seconds you know to check out our website and i just felt that connection and you see what makes this more interesting and what makes this conversation you know something that i look forward to you guys hearing is that when we started talking it was more or less like we had known each other for years and I actually forgot to hit the record button. We, we had spoken for, I think it was 20 minutes or thereabout before I realized that, oh my God, I didn't actually hit the record button and all these great things. You guys probably have missed out on it. Obviously, we re-recorded that beginning part so that you guys didn't miss out on it. But the point is that it was such a pleasant conversation. Everything flowed easily. Even I learned so many things from Angela on this particular episode of the podcast. We caught through so many different topics. We talked about, you know, our time playing professional basketball in Germany, what that experience was like. We talked about her books, you know, because last, like I said, she's an author, the game-changing assist, breaking down a few of the things that she mentioned in there. We talked about positive self-talk. How important is that to you as a young athlete having goals we also talked about that then you assessing your talent you see i could go on and on and on about the things that we broke down in this episode but i'd rather you listen to it yourself so that you get practical nuggets that would help you as the year is running to an end because it's december already and of course you need everything to work in place so if you're going to start january all guns blazing they need everything to work together for your good and this is a conversation that you will thoroughly enjoy in line with what we talked about this episode is brought to you by my athlete maestro daily planner you see one of the things about professional sports is that your day needs to be maximized if you don't take advantage of a day there's so much time that you're missing out on time that you would never ever get back and that's why of course i created that daily planner for you guys athletemaster.com forward slash daily planner for you to get that daily planner start using it maybe that's the reason you didn't experience so much success in 2019 but want to help you change that around so head over to athletemaster.com forward slash daily planner because when you get that planner come and enjoy this rich episode with the one and only angela lewis Welcome everyone back to the Athlete Maestro podcast and I have a really good one for you today. My guest on the show is Angela Lewis and she's a former college and professional basketball player. So that alone should tell you that this is going to be an interesting conversation and there's so many things that you can learn from everything that she'll be sharing from my experience and what she's currently doing as well. And of course, she has so many things going on. So it's my pleasure to have her on the show. and I'm really excited about everything that we're going to talk about. Welcome to the show, Angela. Tola, thanks for having me. I'm really, you know, just eager to talk to you and kind of share my experiences. Fantastic. I think I need to put it here at this point was that this beginning part, we're redoing <laughs> it 
because we were having so much fun recording the episode that I actually forgot to record what we said. So I had to bring it back on. I said, I'm sorry, we need to redo this. Just the beginning part. You know, so at least that gets everything out there. Right. It's okay. You know, it happens. The yeah, great happens, thing is right? we don't remember. We don't remember what we said before. So, you know, starting new work. <laughs> Fresh start. But I do remember that I asked you about Camelita Jetta because I saw one of the podcasts that you did in the yes. past, which was Athletes <laughs> as Educators. And I'm a massive fan. So you see that the first time, if I was lying, then I would have forgotten that I actually said that. You know, I'm a massive fan <laughs> True. of Camelita Jetta, you know, because the times that she's run and, you know, if I was watching any IWF meet or the World Championships or the Olympics, if she wasn't racing, then I wasn't watching because I wasn't really, I didn't really want to watch the other athletes. But once she was there, it was really, really good. What was she like when you interviewed her for your podcast? <laughs> She was really kind, very gracious, of course, passionate about her sport and mm. about running. And um, she just has a phenomenal story of running with her hamstring. I think her, she tore her hamstring while running and kept oh, wow. and continued on. Yeah, just she talks about the discipline that she had and her friends would always, you know, and people in her life would wonder why she mm -hmm. was investing the amount of time that mm -hmm. she was investing. But she knew that she had, you know, she wanted something greater. And now she's helping out athletes. I'm, I think she's in California. Pretty sure she's in California. And um, she's there coaching and, and training athletes as well. Oh, wow. She's, she's into coaching now, which is good because for a while I was wondering, I was like, where's Camille Tijeta? Like, I haven't seen her racing. Mm -hmm. You know, I see all these other ladies and I was like, okay, maybe now it adds up. So uh, it makes Look, it let me okay. tell you, though, you may appreciate this. So I, I just reached out to her on Instagram. Oh, wow. I just DM'd her on Instagram and said, hey, because I don't know her. I've never met her. Oh, wow. But I reached out to her and said, hey, here's what I'm doing. Here's a podcast. Here's what it's about. Here's a few episodes. Would you mind? Is it okay if I interview you? And she said, yeah, so you should reach out to her. <laughs> I'm going to tell her that I know Angela Lewis. Yes. <laughs> She's going to be like, who? No. Now she'll remember. We had a great interview. Interview. Oh, yeah. that, that, that makes a lot of sense. Now, you play professional basketball in Germany. Now, usually when anyone hears professional basketball, they're thinking about the U.S., so the NBA, the WNBA, and things like that. What was that experience like for you playing overseas in a new country, stepping out of your comfort zone? Playing overseas, playing in Germany was one of the best experiences of my life oh, wow. for a few reasons. The first is I had to learn how to survive when I was in a place where I didn't know anyone personally, no family, mm. no friends, no, no one. I had to literally make friends and get to know people and learn how to trust people when I, you know, in another country. Mm. So that was huge. It let me know that I'm fine anywhere. Like I, I'd be okay making it. The other thing is to be immersed in another culture and to not know the language yeah, is very true. humbling. You know, a lot of times in our society, we get so high on our degrees and we get so high on what we've accomplished, but mm -hmm. no one cares. Like no one, they don't, no one knows you. They don't know anything about you. Yeah. And so, but you still have to make it. And then the, the third piece is the whole world opened up to me. Mm. It's, it's one of those situations where I grew up in the inner city in St. Louis and no one in my family had ever had a passport. No one had a passport. Wow. Like my immediate family, mom mm -hmm. and dad, and anyone who's ever traveled overseas, particularly mm -hmm. Germany, and, and my extended family was in the military. Oh, wow. Because there's a lot of, you know, U.S., military bases there so mm -hmm. no one had traveled to play basketball or even for leisure so I've, I'm kind of this anomaly in my family and, and everyone thought I was crazy <laughs> 
to just leave and go to another country. And I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna do it. But that, it showed me who I am, you know, in mm. what I'm capable of. So it was unbelievable. And that, you know, that's beyond what happened on the court. Which is a good one because, you know, once, once it comes to stepping out of your comfort zone and, you know, taking the plunge in terms of trying things out and trying new things out, it's, it's always great, you know, and I'm one of the first people that always jumps as opportunities that are outside my comfort zone. Let me try it. What happens? Mm-hmm. You know, what's the worst that could happen to me if I try? You know, yeah. I'm going to learn something. I'm going to get better. You know, I'm going to be more confident that, you know, I can handle anything. But for the athletes that are listening to us right now and, you know, are trying to take that plunge. So maybe it's playing overseas for them. Maybe it's trying out a different sport or, or whichever one it, it was. What's the one thing that you take out of that experience of playing overseas in Germany professionally? So it was not like you went on holiday and then, you know, you just mm-hmm. threw around a bit or maybe uh, there was an exchange program from college to Germany right. where you now play. You actually went there to play professionally. What's the one thing that you say you took sure. out of that experience of playing overseas? The one thing I took out of it is that sport has a way of bringing people together mm. from various cultures that creates unity. And mm. Sports unites people who True. may have never gotten to know each other or True. who may have never met had it not been for the sport. So that really opened up for me because, you know, pretty much in the, you play sports with the people who live near you, who are in True. the close proximity. Mm. But to actually be able to enjoy the game with women from Romania and and Poland and just from all over the world was so it's something that I it's something that my heart craves and longs for Mm. that makes sense because it's when you're around people who've never had the experiences you have you can describe it to them but you they can't feel it yeah and so most people yeah most people don't have that experience like the average person hasn't gone to another country, lived there, mm-hmm. and you know, had to survive and make it another country. You know, so I guess what I got out of that is this unbelievable appreciation for what sports can do for the lives of people. Wow, yeah. that's a good answer. And that's a good thing about sports because everyone has a different story. I'm sure, you know, if we're going to ask your teammates, for example, who were there with you, they would have mm-hmm. like, different stories of how the experience was for them, what they learned, what they enjoyed, how it tasked them, how they were able to improve as individuals. And that's a good thing about sport because everyone is experiencing it from a different perspective. The experience that you have and the experience that I have, even in the same sport, is always different. I think that's what makes it, I don't think that I can ever leave sports. You know, I'm a sports lawyer. Mm-hmm. I don't think I ever step away from sports and say, I'm no. not anything to do with sports again. No, like it's, it's, it's just so good and it's enlightening and it makes me so happy. You know, there are days that I'll be in court, you know, like, you know, for hours and have very important cases and things, you know, that I'm attending to. If I get home, for example, and an athlete sends me a mail, you know, mm-hmm. you, see the, you see the joy on my face in responding, yep. you know, and trying to help out with whatever struggle it is, you know, that they're facing. I think that just makes it all the better that you and I are having this discussion currently mm-hmm. right now. What I want to ask you now is in terms of, you know, a day in the life of a professional athlete, because you have experienced that, you know, firsthand in playing overseas in Germany. But you see, a lot of young athletes, you know, they think they know what it entails until they actually get there, you know, and that's when you get the sulking, you get the complaining that, oh, I didn't know it was this stuff. I didn't know it was like that. You know, so just walk us through a day in the life of a professional athlete. This professional athlete is you. Sure. So when I was in Germany, we would have a training session in the morning. So you Mm -hmm. wake up, you know, get your coffee or whatever for breakfast. And then 
we would have a training session where we were either were running, lifting, or doing some type of agility mm-hmm. training. And then after that, you would go have lunch and, you know, relax a little bit. Then you come back for practice, two to three hours of practice. And um, depending on the time and the season. So if it was games, you know, you were either prepping for a game or headed mm-hmm. to a, or headed on the road or you were watching film about, you know, the upcoming team. So it really mm-hmm. just depends on the time of the year. But mm-hmm. you're constantly thinking about the game. And occasionally there was downtime. So there mm-hmm. were a couple of times when we were over there where we were able to take, we had like a break in between games. So we were able to take a trip to, an, to Paris. Because, you know, mm-hmm. Europe, all the countries are so pretty close and they have a great train system. So we were able to take some, some quick trips. But by and large, it is, it's a lot of training and a lot of practice. But that's what you can pay to do. So, you know, it's work. No, of course. One of the things that you mentioned, uh, you know, in that day is you f- guys finding the time to watch game film and to review games and to, you know, just see your performances and all of that. How important mm-hmm. is that for a young athlete in terms of watching game film? Because one of the things that I say is that you have to be a student of your sport. So which means that mm-hmm. you have to constantly learn. The people you're competing against are constantly learning. They're looking for ways to improve. And if you're competing against people, you know, that have assistance, so to speak, so someone that can break down games for them, someone, you know, that can give them dossiers on players and say, you know, this is what this player does, this is what that player does, or this is what you did. How important is watching game film for a young athlete who is looking to take that leap in competition and actually go to professional ranks? So watching game film is only valuable if they are watching with a purpose. Oh, okay. You know, so if you just want to watch the game and see how, see how many shots you made, you probably remember that and don't need to watch the game for that. But if you're looking at your defensive posture and your defensive positioning and how quickly you get back in transition, or if you're looking to see if you're actually boxing out on a rebound, hmm. you know, you want to watch game film looking for specific things so the game film can be used as a tool to help you get better. That's the purpose. It's a tool, another teaching tool to help Mm -hmm. you get better. And then you're able to compare. So, you know, basketball, you play 30 plus games, depending on the school and the level. So you want to, um, you know, take an earlier game and five games in. If you can compare those two, your performance in those two games, then you really are able to um, use it to help you get better, opposed Mm -hmm. to just using it for entertainment purposes or like a fan (laughs) will watch. That's true, because just like if anyone is listening to us now, and one of the advices that I always give, or one of the things that I coach on and talk about is that you have to watch game film. So maybe I didn't break it down the way you broke it down in terms of watch game film with a purpose. So maybe the guy has been watching game film for only God knows how long. And then he says that, you know, Tola gives crap advice. You know, I watched game film. I didn't improve <laughs> one bit from how right. I was performing before. So now you have it from Angela broken down into nuggets in the sense that watch with a purpose. Why are you watching? What is the thing that you're trying to improve on as you're watching the game film? So it's not just you watching for watching's sake. And then, you know, like you said, uh, enjoying the moves that you did, you know, and the points that you scored. No, what were the things that you did wrong? What were the things that you could improve on as you get better as an athlete? And that is the ultimate aim. So I think you hit the nail on the head. (laughs) Thanks. Yeah, everything has to be purposeful. From your training to game film, you know, all of it, nutrition, everything's purposeful. As one of the things that I always, you know, also say and also allude to is just all of the things that you've said. But one thing I want you to answer now is how important is it for an athlete to be aware or to constantly 
talk to themselves in a positive manner. You know, so uh, if you are not talking to yourself at all, or if you don't focus on the inner voices, you know, you must always get into the practice of positive self-talk, which is always talking to yourself in a positive manner. How important is it, you know, for the athletes that want to compete at that elite level? So positive self-talk only works if you're honest. Mm, True. true. So positive self-talk has to be aligned with honesty. So for example, if I know I'm not going hard, telling myself, great job is is a lie like it is an absolute lie because i didn't run as fast as i could run mm. or i didn't you know if i if i know i'm supposed to do 10 push-ups and i do four mm-hmm. i can't say hey angie you worked you did great today that's a lie mm. so positive self-talk has to be aligned with the truth so if my goal is to make six out of ten shots and i make six out of ten then i celebrate that Mm-hmm. If my goal is to make six out of 10 and I make four out of 10, I don't beat myself up, but I definitely do it again until I get that goal. And then I celebrate it. Mm. You know, does that make sense? Oh, yeah, you know what I'm saying? So it has to be aligned. It's important and it has to be aligned with the truth. Very important because, you know, like you said, if you, you well, it wouldn't be positive to talk anyways, uh, if you're lying to yourself, because ultimately True. what you're doing is you're just deceiving yourself. But let's talk about your yep. book now. I think your first book yes. which is The Game Changing Assist, you know, and, you know, fortunately the time between when you reached out and, you know, when I was doing my stuff, you know, I, I couldn't get the book to read it, but it's something that I would love to, but, you know, I've read snippets and I've seen some of the interviews that you've done. Talk to us about that book. Well, how did you come about writing it? And what was the motivation behind you? actually writing it? Yeah, so I was asked to speak to a group of students, a group of high school students. And the night before, I was just kind of pacing in my apartment trying to figure out what I'm going to talk to these kids about. Mm. And this was placed on my heart, the framework for the book. So having a vision for your future, listening to positive voices, making sure your values align with the vision, Mm. overcoming the valleys, reaching the point of victory and volunteering. So there are six V's, six words that Mm. begins with the letter V voice, vision, value, valley, victory, and volunteering. And I connected each one of those to a story from my life. And when I gave the speech, the kids loved it. And I was like, oh, oh, y'all like this. So I kept giving the speech for a few years to different groups of young people. And then my mother said I should write a book. And of course I was like, yeah, my whatever. No one wants to hear what I have to say. Like, who's gonna care? I'm just Angie, you know, the 10 year old insecure person bigger than everybody, you know, Mm. no one cares. So eventually I saw someone else's book and I was like, okay, I can do this. I'm going to do this. And Mm. I set out on the journey to write a book. The most difficult thing I had done at that point in my life, because anytime you write or create any form of art, whether you're a musician or create a a movie, like whatever, a painting, whatever it is, it Mm -hmm. forces you to be very vulnerable. And you're putting your art or your talents on display. So I wrote it and, and it, was, it was really good. I mean, it was a really good process and I'm thankful because it has touched some lives of young people. Yeah. And I still remember the little girls I had. There was a group of middle school girls who I asked to read chapters and we, I bought them pizza and we sat around <laughs> and they told me their input. And so that journey of the first book was really special. It was actually seven years ago this wow, year that wow. that one um, was released. 2012. Can you talk to us about two yep. points that you just mentioned? And the first one I want you to talk about is the choices you make would ultimately lead to your victory. But, you know, the point that I make out of that or what I'm guessing out of that is that ultimately you're making a choice whether you like it or not. So for the athletes, you know, that are just chilling and they're just lounging and they just believe like, oh, I'm not making any choice. You know, the fact that you're sitting around and you're training, that is a choice. The fact that you're choosing mm-hmm. to binge watch Netflix or whatever it is, as opposed to being a student of your sport, maybe it's watching game film, just like we talked about earlier, you know, that is a choice. Can you talk to us about that point first in terms of the choices you make ultimately leading to yeah. your victory? 
So every chapter in the book starts with choose your. So choose your mm. vision, choose the voices, choose your response to the valley, you know, choose to volunteer. Your choices lead to victory because ultimately the only thing you, there's a lot in this world we can't control, but we can control our effort and we can control our attitude. Mm. Those two things without fail every single day, every single time, every situation, we can control that. Mm-hmm. And so we know, like, we know if we're giving ourselves the best opportunity to succeed or not. We know. Mm-hmm. If we're honest with ourselves, we know. So young athletes just have to be real and honest. Like, did you, are you in great shape? If not, mm-hmm. then you need to get in great shape. Or, or don't be in great shape and just miss out on opportunity. It's either way, it's like, it's your choice. Yeah. You know, it's your jump shot quality. Mm-hmm. Okay. If, if not, then work on it or just have a, a whack shot, that's your choice too. <laughs> how, how would you advise young athletes to make better, you know, the correct choices, so to speak, yeah. so that ultimately to get to that thing that they want to achieve? I'm so glad that you asked that. There's a few strategies mm. that, are, that I talk about in the book. The first one is evaluate your crew. Like, mm. who are the people in your circle? If the people in your circle are those people who are going to say, nah, it's cool, let's just relax today. You don't need to go in the gym. Like, if your crew is the lazy bunch, and you know, honest with yourself, you know if your friends are the lazy group. Or are your friends the people putting in extra effort who are driven, who are focused, who are disciplined? If you're not part of that disciplined friend group, then you find some different friends. Hmm. Or stop talking to the under... Now, look, I have some friends who I love dearly, and they're not the most disciplined people. However, I'm not going to talk to them about the vision that I have, because they're mm-hmm. going to tell me the lesser thing to do. Yeah. And I have, I have some other friends, as soon as I tell them anything, they're going to push me higher, and I know it. Mm-hmm. And so I tell them, and they're like, but how about bigger? And what about bigger, right? So you want the people in your circle to be the, the people who are going to make you bigger and push you to be bigger not physically bigger you know what i mean mentally Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, so that's part one part two the second strategy that i talk about in the book is having an all-star team Mm. the people who have gone down the path that you want to go so sometimes you just you don't know what it takes to get there but if the blueprint has been written i saw one of your instagram posts talked about like something about like having a blueprint Mm, yeah. So yeah. if you have, if the blueprint is laid out, then follow that blueprint to mm-hmm. get to wherever it is you want to, to go and to be. And then the third thing is do an honest assessment. Yeah. So if I am five foot eight, there's a high probability that I'm not going to the NBA. Mm-hmm. You might want that in your heart, but the probability is just low when you have to be honest about that. So are you going to put your energy and effort into something like that? Or you're going to put your energy and effort into a way to stay around? Because maybe you can be an agent. Mm-hmm. There's a viable opportunity there. If you love sport and you want to play pro, but that's not going to be a realistic opportunity, maybe you want to sports marketing, maybe videography. You know, there's a bunch of ways to stay around sport that is still viable. Mm-hmm. Then you just go hoop on the weekends with your friends. Mm, true. And you see, those three points that you mentioned, they're so epic in the sense that, you know, it's something or it's a message that every young athlete must listen to. You know, the first thing about evaluating your team, just like I said, you know, because you are the odd one out of that circle in terms of you chasing a sports goals. And of course, the other guys are definitely not as talented as you. So they don't even come close to you in terms of what you can do in your sport. You know, they're always going to find a way to discourage you from what it is you're trying to do, you know, so you're getting up in the morning, you know, and you're going to train. They're complaining. They're like, 
why are you like this? Like, mm-hmm. why won't you hang out with us? Why won't you chill with us? Why won't you go to yeah. parties with us? But see, if your if your goal is important to you, if what you want to achieve is important to you, then you're going to take that seriously. You're going to look at the people that are around you. You're going to say, look, these are not the people I want to spend my time with. You know, I need mm-hmm. people that would encourage me, people that are pushing me, people that would say, look, you are slacking. They will call me out on my bullshit when yep. I'm not doing the right thing. And I get that point perfectly. The third one, which is on assessment, I mean, that is just like a home run because I always say things about assessment in terms of, okay, say, for example, now you're in St. Louis, you know, and we're talking about, you know, me and my family being in Delaware and Philadelphia. If I don't know where you are in St. Louis, if I get on a plane or I get mm-hmm. in a car or I get on a train, where exactly am I going? I'm going to be lost. Yep. I could get there and then am I, am I going to be asking people on the street, like, do you know Angela Lewis? I show, you. <laughs> I show them your picture and things like that. I have to assess, okay, look, where am I? Where am I going? What are the things yep. I need to do and all of that. So, I mean, it's just, it's just valid point. The second one I wanted you to talk about, you know, was in terms of the tough times coming around. You know, growing mm-hmm. up playing sports, and I'm sure you'd have experienced this as well. You know, when you're four, when you're five, there's, there's, there's no competition. There's no pressure. No. Everyone it's is having funny. fun. You know, you get dirty, you get injured. You're even happy that you get injured, you know, so you can show up the bruises and the scars and all of that. But when you start getting, you know, to primary school and you have to make the team, then you start getting to college and then there's a lot riding on it. You know, we almost tend to forget that because of the way sports is, you know, they are going to be tough times. So talk to us about that. Mm-hmm. Point. There's tough times in sports. And again, you have a choice, like your response. Mm. That's it. Like all you can control is your response, your attitude. A lot of, a lot of times athletes want their teammates to be different people. And they want their coaches to be different. And if coach would have just whatever, we would have had a better chance. And if my teammate would have passed me the ball more, if they would have done whatever. You can't control them people. You drive yourself crazy. The only thing you can control is your approach to them, your conversations with them, your connectedness, like your willingness to communicate, and then what you bring to the table. And so what sports gives us is an opportunity to really push beyond um, difficult moments and challenges. And on the other side of that is where all the great things in life are. So on the other side of all the hard times, you know how many laps I've run, how many sprints I've done, pull-ups, push-ups, tire flips. Mm -hmm. I mean, crazy. Done all of it. But because of that, I can stand here and say, all right, I'm I'm tough. Like I can make it through some some difficult times. Mm And you get that only through going through it, though. You, you just got to go through it. Some stuff you just have to go through. Hmm. What, what would your advice be to the athlete who uh, it, it almost seems like all their career in sports, they've been battling tough time after tough time after tough time. Mm-hmm. And it almost seems like it's never going to come to an end. So how do I keep going? How do I stay on this path? What would your advice be to an athlete like that who doesn't just seem to be able to catch a break? Decide. You have to ask yourself, why am I doing this? And be Mm. really, really honest. Are you doing it because you want to play and you want to keep playing? Are you doing this because, you know, you're afraid of what's going to happen next if you Mm. don't keep trying? You know, is is it fear-driven? You just have to be honest about why you're doing what you're doing. And you have to be honest is, does this make sense for my body? So if we're talking about injuries specifically, battling Mm. injury, I know some people who are in their 30s, knees banged up, hips banged up. You have to live in your body the rest of your life. So you you have to decide like is what you're doing worth the rest of your life you know having potential physical complications if you Mm -hmm. continue down that path and only you can answer that Mm -hmm. so i'm not i'm not saying stop 
or keep going. I'm just saying you have to decide. And that's your decision, not the coaches, not your teammates, not your family. You have to be honest with yourself because you're the only one who has to live in your body. Mm. You might disagree with me on this, but you see, the angle that I always look at that from is in the sense that if you truly enjoy your sport, if you truly love your sport, then you're not going to be counting score of the tough times you're facing because either ways you are enjoying participating. But you see, because of the way things are this day and age, you know, how profitable sports is or how people think uh, sports is profitable. So, you know, if I could just turn pro, then, you know, I'm a millionaire for life and things like that. You know, that passion, that love is truly not there. And that's why they will keep counting score that, you know, I've just been battling tough time after tough time after tough time. When is this going to end? When am I going to catch the break? Do you agree with that passion and love side in terms of if you truly love it, then you're not even going to be looking in those directions? I think it depends on, I mean, sports are profitable. Mm-hmm. So sports are profitable and your love, you can profit off something that you love. So that's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. And loving something to me doesn't mean that. So there's this assumption, here it is. There's this assumption that the people who are playing professional love the game the most. The most. <laughs> that's not the case. Yeah, like we think, oh, they're there because they love it. Well, no, mm-hmm. not necessarily. There are people who love ball or soccer or football or whatever. Mm-hmm but they're not necessarily in the NBA for whatever, or NFL or whatever professional league. Mm. So you, just because you're not playing at the highest level doesn't mean you don't love it. And just because you're playing at the highest level doesn't mean you love it the most. It means that that's the the path you chose, the opportunity you chose. Like I mentioned before, if I'm 5'8", I'm not going to the NBA, but that doesn't Mm. mean that I don't love the game. True. True. Very, very, very true points in terms of, yeah, in terms of looking at it from that direction and, you know, that love angle not necessarily being the thing. Now, you mentioned injuries while you were talking, you know, about those tough times. What's the worst injury you had while while you were playing? Uh, I looked out, man. I didn't really have anything major. I mean, you you mentioned your ACL. Anything I would say you would laugh is comical compared to what a lot of people have gone through. Um, A dislocated finger? Are you serious? Yeah, like I rolled the ankle and I played hard. Like I tell everyone it's that those beans and cornbread my mom fed me as a kid that (laughs) insulated those greens and beans and cornbread insulated my body. Yeah, no, I didn't have anything major. I had a bunch of teammates that had ACL tears, shin splints, shoulder. One of my college roommates, she was my basketball, she was my teammate. Her shoulder used to pop out all wow. the time. She used to have to wear this shoulder thing. Mm. It looked terrible. I was like, jeez. <laughs> yeah, I lucked out, thankfully. Uh, that's, the, that's the dynamic side of sports. You know, while you see guys with injuries and things like that, there are other people, you know, they largely go on skate and, you know, they can enjoy, yeah. you know, not experiencing the pain as it relates to certain things. Because even till this day, I can still remember the minute I tore my ACL. It was one of the uh. worst pains I've ever ever face you know i used to laugh at well not necessarily laugh at you know but i used to wonder you know when you know they bring in oxygen when a player gets injured you know and they have all mm-hmm. this oxygen mass and tanks you know feeding him oxygen i'm like what was what are these guys doing like what what exactly is going on when i tore my ACL, trust me i was looking for that oxygen mask wow. so, <laughs> so I, since that day if i see anyone do it i'm like give him the oxygen you know like i'm encouraging them quickly before before mm-hmm. the guy before the guy passes out but that's <laughs> that's the that's the dynamic side of sports now you're into coaching angela and you're guiding the next generation of athletes young females young ladies you know that are playing sports that are playing basketball what would you say in coaching them what's the difficulty that you've experienced maybe it's in passing your message across maybe it's mm-hmm. in identifying their talents uh, it could be either one what's the difficulties that you've experienced so far as you've made that transition into coaching 
I think one of the challenges in coaching is players want to be really great really fast. Mm. They, really they think fun. that um, everything happens quickly and it's yeah. not their fault. I mean, we live in a culture, especially, you know, in the U.S. where you can get whatever you want pretty quickly. If you want a car to come pick you up, you click Uber, they come get you, you know, microwaves. We want everything to happen quickly. Yeah. But the nature of growth and progression doesn't happen like that. It takes a while to really understand the game. Mm-hmm. whether it's basketball or any other sport, but specifically for basketball, there's a lot happening, offense, defense, and there's always another level of excellence you can go to. And so getting players to be comfortable with knowing that the little things they're doing make a difference mm-hmm. and that in a year they're going to be better. You know, imagine saying, you know, wait a year, you're going to be way, way better. That's really hard to wrap their minds around it yeah. for some athletes to keep them motivated to just trust the process. Mm. And I totally agree with you. And, you know, it's, I mean, I've seen that like time and time and time again. So I'm a sports lawyer as well. I don't know, you know, if I, if I, if I mention that, you know, so uh, just in case, you know, throw that out there, you know, and one thing <laughs> that, you know, I see is when you, in terms of athlete representation, when you're trying to sign an athlete, you know, so uh, there was one of uh, my colleagues who was signing, I think he, he was signing maybe uh, an 11 or 12 year old there about, you know, just trying to get an arrangement with parents in terms of what they should know if they want to take, you know, his progression seriously in terms of him playing football eventually, you know, and the parents were already asking him immediately, like, at what age can he go to Europe? Like, you know, to start playing mm-hmm. maybe in one of the academies and one of the clubs, you know, and the guy looks at them and I was like, you know, what, what, why is that what you're thinking about immediately? That is where yeah. you're already looking to you get. You're not looking, you know, at the work the guy has to put in, amount Ooh. of training that he has to go mm-hmm. through and all of those things. You are already immediately thinking about, you know, his progression and how tomorrow he can already get into one of the top academies in the world. So I totally get your point. And it's, it's yeah. I would say it's very bad here but it's something that happens here very often. You're know, talking to a player today. Tomorrow, they want you to connect them to a top agent, you know, so they can be signed you know, by one of the big clubs in the world and things like that. And they just don't get the point that, look, it's going to take time. And yeah. the more you're willing to put in the work and the consistency that you can put into it, that is what is going to differentiate you from the other person. You know, so the other yeah. person that wants it in one week and doesn't get it, obviously, they're going yeah. to be downcast. You know, their confidence is going to be short. Mm-hmm. But you that understand that, okay, look, this is a marathon, not a sprint. You know, you are mm-hmm. eventually going to get to that point. So I totally agree with your points. In working with those athletes, you know, those young ladies, you know, and, and all of that, what would you say is the most difficult thing that you find that the athletes struggle with in terms of making that leap up in competition? You know, so they're at the youth level and of course, you know, they're supposed to take a step up. What's the one thing that mm-hmm. you say they struggle with the most in making that leap? One thing that they struggle with the most is having routines that will lead to their success. Mm. You know, so a lot of times um, they'll want to play at the next level, but every level requires you to be that much better, a little different. So you have to take your nutrition more seriously. You know, when when you're eight, everyone's eating, you know, whatever chips and snacks and whatever crap. Right. But when you're 15, 16 and your your goal is to get a college scholarship and there's only a very few amount of them, you want to give yourself an edge. And so you have to take your training more seriously, training in terms of mobility, agility and flexibility like Mm -hmm. that has to be taken seriously as well as nutrition. It's going to give you an edge, a long term edge over time. So getting players to buy in to the discipline of doing the little things that have nothing to do with skill. Mm. But, in, but those little things impact performance. True. 
Mm. I, I had to write that down. That was a great point. The little things that have nothing to do with what actually matters. Because you see, you, you, you get to advise athletes and you tell them, you know, about setting routines and about, you know, setting mental drills and physical drills. And the first question they're asking you is, how does that affect me playing mm-hmm. my sport? Yeah, so yeah like what's that have that... to do with my jump shot? <laughs> What does me eating salad have to do with my jump shot? Absolutely. You know, so that's exactly the point. You know, in terms of, you know, what does this have to do? So is this going to make me a better footballer? Is this going to make me a better basketball player? Or how is this going to help me get into college and things like that? And, you know, I try to make the point that, look, it's not about that. You see, the earlier you understand that point, the earlier it is you're ready to step up in competition and be the athlete that you want to be or achieve the goals that you're chasing. When you understand that everything that you're doing doesn't necessarily have to lead or be connected to that sport that you're playing so i think you knocked that one out of the ballpark makes absolute sense you mentioned um college while you were talking about that talk to me about the college recruiting process and before before we go into that in detail you know i'm sorry i'm dragging you in different in different directions <laughs> no it's perfect different directions we'll go into that you know one of the perceptions that we have on this side of the pond is that you know you guys over there and of course you'll be able to attest to this because you played college basketball is that you guys over there i mean you're having fun you guys are lounging you mm-hmm. guys are chilling you know if only they could get into the scene where you guys are or if only they could have the opportunities that you have but clearly that's a misconception because it's not like college sports in the u.s is a walk in the park no. Oh, God, no. There's only 1%, play, 1% of high school athletes hmm. play at the collegiate level, at wow. Divi- NCAA Division One. There's only about 5% of athletes who hmm. actually play college sports. So there's a very, there's a very small number overall that, you know, get scholarships and play college basketball. Hmm. And part of that is, but there's still, there's still opportunities that exist out there. Mm-hmm. You know, and, but it's a lot of work. It's a, it's a lot of work and everyone isn't willing to do it. And some people just don't want it. Everyone doesn't want to do that work, but you don't just wake up and get the opportunity. You have to really, there are some things you can't control, right? Like your engine effort. Mm-hmm. There's some things you can't control, like your height, your length, mm, <laughs> your, um, you know, your genetic makeup, true. no control over that. And some people are more genetically gifted in terms of for sport than others. Mm. So they may have the potential for greater opportunities. But there's, I think there's a rise, though, in international student athletes. When I used to coach at Mm -hmm. um, Southeast Missouri State University, there was a young lady on our team from Paris Mm. and a young lady on our team from Budapest. Wow. So there are there are opportunities, you know, and as I mentioned before, um, we started recording. I'm not as um, first in those, Mm -hmm. but but each university has an international student department where they're trying to re- actively recruiting and provide opportunities for international students. Yeah, good points. And I agree with that. Yeah, because in terms of, we, we talked about that briefly uh, in terms of the international students, but obviously what applies in the U.S. to the U.S. nationals might not necessarily apply to the international students in terms of the tests and all those things that mm-hmm. you don't want to take. But it's something that we can probably discuss, you know, at a later date, go into more detail you know, about what international students can do that want to get into the collegiate system in the U.S. Because if it's about talent, trust me, we have a lot of talented yeah. athletes over on this side of the pond, you know, and if only sure. they're aware of the opportunities that are at their disposal and the things that they can do, then maybe they would be able to make better uh, decisions. But as we wrap mm-hmm. up, you know, we talked about so many things. Talk to us about combining education and sports because you've seen it firsthand in terms of you being in the fire, you being a collegiate athlete, and now you're seeing it as a coach in all the youngsters mm-hmm. that you're working with. 
how difficult is it uh, for you to combine education and sports? Because I'll give you a background to this. You see, over here in Nigeria, it's more or less non-existent. And of course, there are a lot of people that are pushing, you know, to make that change. So, for example, while I was in university and I was studying law, it was absolutely difficult for me to combine education and sports. You know, there was a yeah. university, there was a university games tournament that was going on in another state, you know, while I was studying and I had law exams. You know, so how exactly, so I had to, what I had to do was either choose to leave my law exams and go play sports or leave wow. the sports and come face my law exams. So obviously, definitely, you know, I just mm-hmm. drive my law exams because it will be on hell. Yes. What is it? Ah, you left law to go and play football. You know, so it's almost <laughs> non-existent here. But it seems like, you know, abroad, Europe, the US, you found a way to, you know, get the system to work. But how difficult is it for the athletes? And of course, you experience this as well to combine education and sports at the same time and still excel. It is, it is really important that athletes are um, organized. Like that's yeah. the key thing. Organization. So is it difficult? Mm-hmm. I think, you know, a lot of students who are not athletes, they work, they have other things going on in their life. So they mm-hmm. have to balance as well. But it's really critical that athletes are very organized so that their studies are taken care of. So, for example, when I was in college, when I was at university, I would, when I get my syllabi for the semester that lists mm-hmm. all my tests and papers mm-hmm. and big projects, I would write those down in a planner. Mm-hmm. And then after I would write those down, I would put all of my games down too. Cause we, you know, you get your, you know, your season in advance when yeah. you have games and such. And then I would write all of those down as well. And then I was able to see when I had a game, when I had a big assignment and if there was a potential conflict, maybe I was on the road traveling and we were out of town for a few days and I could communicate with my professor, either mm-hmm. turn it in in advance or um, turn it in later so that I, so that they knew that I was diligent. Mm-hmm, Cause half mm-hmm. the battle is making sure that you communicate well with your professor. So they know you're not just trying to take advantage mm. of the fact that you're an athlete. And so I published my latest publication is called the fundamental game plan. Mm. And it's every athletes, every basketball players, academic and athletics, 12 week success tracker, because mm. the goal is to help athletes, like, like I just said, see everything in one place, track their progress so yeah. that they're better prepared to deal with the pressures and stress of school and sport. Mm. I, I totally agree with you in terms of, you know, that organization, because one of the things that you, the, the athletes are going to struggle with is in terms of knowing when to apply yourself to each. So if you're more mm-hmm. organized, then of course it's easier to say, okay, this is what I'm supposed to be doing now, as opposed yep. to not having an idea of what it is I want to do, what it is I want to focus on. Another thing that you, you, you focused on, another thing that you've talked about uh, recently is in your other book, which is Post Moves, you know, the female athlete's yes. guide to dominating life after college. Because I feel like everyone just mm-hmm. always talks about school and the student athlete yes. and how to make the most of it and how to be best at it. But nobody ever talks about what happens after. Because just like mm-hmm. we've talked about, you know, today, not everyone is going to play sports. Not everyone is going to get to the NBA. Not everyone is going to get to the WNBA. What happens to these athletes who have found themselves in the position where they just cannot understand what to do after. So talk to us about that book. What led you to writing it? And what's the one thing that you want, to, want us to pick up from that? So what led me to writing that book is because I didn't have a clue what I was going to do when I finished other you than play done. sports. <laughs> yeah. You know, that was pretty much, that was the only thing I was focused on is I wanted to keep playing. Mm. But when you decide that you want to play 
overseas, you yeah. you already graduated college. So I'd already graduated and I knew after my season I wanted to keep playing, but, but I wasn't sure where I was going or when. Thankfully, I had an agent, mm. but still, I, I wasn't very prepared by any means. And so my idea was to talk to other women mm-hmm. who have played sports in college and interview them to see kind of what their transition was like. And I knew that one of the biggest, one of the ways to transition well is to have a group of mentors, Mm. a group of people who've been the path that you want to go and who have some professional experience that can give you some insight. True. So I contacted these women and they agreed to let me interview them, but they also agreed to let me have their contact information in the book, wow. which makes it even more powerful so yeah. that the young people who are transitioning, they literally have mm. a group of mentors. Mm-hmm. True. They can say, hey, I read your story in Post Moves and we'll love to learn more. And so that's the power. That's really the power of the book. And, and all the women play different sports. Some of them mm. play football, well, soccer. Some of them played basketball volleyball they run the gamut of where they played and their participation in sport and so well i'm proud of all of them but that one especially because i was able to bring in other voices and not just my own mm. i was going to tell you to share you know one of their stories but i have to be mindful of your time as well but one of the things that i read somewhere i can't remember where i saw it was that you actually didn't really want to play basketball so how did that come about how did you end up playing? i didn't want to play let me tell you what i really wanted to do okay i really wanted to dance Mm. There's this there's this show uh, called Living Color came out in the 90s oh, wow. and um, there are these women who would dance it was just like a sketch comedy show mm-hmm. all black sketch comedy show and so well it was owned by black people Kenny and Ivory Wayans and the Wayans <laughs> family so there are these fly girls and they come out and they do these choreographed routines and they mm. look so cool and so I used to want to be a fly girl and in the fifth grade. <laughs> Fifth grade, I competed for this dance mm. to be on the dance team in my elementary school, and I didn't, I didn't make it. And so, um, my dance career ended that day. However, <laughs> I still love to dance, and I still dance all like every day, all the time. I wake up, I turn on music, and I dance all the yeah, time. You dance, right? But the way I started playing ball is that my brothers, I have older brothers who are identical twins. Well, yeah, ah, I just, you know, I was gonna, I was gonna ask you that. That are they mm-hmm. twins? They are. Wow. Yep, they're identical, and they they're about a year and a half older than me. So you know, mm-hmm. we grew up pretty close, and mm-hmm. they play ball all the time. And I was like, oh, I have to do something. We didn't have cell phones back then. Like I may as well, mm, yeah, <laughs> as well go play with them. So we would play in the backyard, and then. I pretty much idealized them when I was a little kid, and they were like, "Oh, your height isn't going to waves. You gotta love the game." And so, mm. when I was twelve, we were walking out of a store, and this guy—he's an older guy—walked mm-hmm. up to my mom and our family and said, and asked if I played basketball. And I was mm. like, "Yeah, of course I play." He said, "Well, we need some more girls on our team. Wow, can you bring your daughter, you know, to this to the gym on whatever day?" So I go there, Tola. I have never seen girls play like this. They were between the legs, behind the back. Wow. They were unbelievable. <laughs> they were so good. And of course, I was terrible because I, I was new. I hadn't yeah. really played. And so, of course, I stuck with it. But yeah, that's kind of how I started. It was just on a whim that I'm thankful that he asked me to be a part of their team and, and ended my dance career. <laughs> <laughs> so if there's, if there's anyone listening to us, you know, on this conversation, you know, the fact that you didn't start playing your sport when you were two, 
or you didn't start playing your yeah. sport when you were three. You see, it doesn't matter. Or the fact that you didn't plan to play your sport and you just got thrust mm. into it for whatever reason, it actually doesn't matter. The point is that you identify the things that you can be doing or you should be doing as it relates to your sports to ensure that you are a success. So don't be looking back about what happened before, you know, before you were five or before you were five and, uh, you know, you're always complaining that I, I didn't start playing my sport until I was 10 or things like that. Don't worry about that. What can you do moving mm-hmm. forward from where you are now and as you continue? on your career and the other reason uh, Angela while I was asking about your brothers was that I have a brother and a sister and they're twins okay they're not identical twins but they're twins you know so when I saw that I was like I have to ask you if they're twins and if they're twins then you know maybe we have a connection from somewhere because I, I don't know it was it was just too good to be true Right. What are the chances? I'm telling you, like, <laughs> one, <laughs> one in how many. But I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. You know, we've talked about so many things. I'm glad we're able to do this. But I call yes. the podcast Athlete Maestro. You know, maestro being that you are a master of your craft. You should master mm. your craft or you're good at what you do. What, in your definition, does it take to be a master of your craft or to be identified as someone who is a master of their craft, as it relates to sports, of course. What does it take to be a master of your craft as it relates to sport? The first thing that comes to mind is paying attention to the little details Mm. because every master knows that it is the little thing that leads to your ultimate success. Mm. Yeah, the little thing. Good point. So, you know, when you're paying attention to those little things when you're a master of those little things, things that you think are not important or you think things that you think don't play any role. Mm-hmm. And that's when you can truly say that yep. you're a master. And I think I have to agree with that. I've not heard that answer before, uh, but it's actually a good point. So final one, trust me, final one. I hope you don't see anything that makes you ask you another question. Sure. But final one, final point is I'm a young <laughs> athlete. For example, I'm lost. I don't know what I'm doing. You know, I'm a little bit confused. And I stumble across your website. I see the content that you yeah. put out. I see you coaching young athletes and I come to you and I say, what is one thing that I can do today that is going to get me a step closer to my goals in sports? So I want to be a successful athlete. I want to be a professional Mm -hmm. athlete. I need you to advise me just one thing that I can do today. So I'm not talking about, you know, what I can do 10 years from now or five years from now. What's one thing I can do today that is going to ensure that at least in the minimum, I get a step closer to the goals I'm chasing. I would say take that big goal and break it down into small goals. Break it down. You have to break that big goal down because our big goals can be daunting. Mm-hmm. And so it's a two-part answer. One, break the small, break your big goal down into the small goal, mm-hmm. a goal that you know that you realistically can do today. So for example, being fit is essential regardless of the sport you play. So if mm-hmm. you're someone who needs to be more fit, then you make that your highest priority. Or are you, let's say if you're a basketball player, you, you need to be able, well, you have to be fit as well. So I say, I would say, take your big goals, break them down, and then assess where you are. Assess your physical ability, mm. assess maybe your academics. This is part of the, what I tell parents and student athletes about the recruiting process. They want to play college sports, but you have to assess where you are first. Yeah. I never say go out and do something. I always say stop doing, stop, just stop moving. Mm-hmm. And let's assess your academics, your physical well-being, your mental health, assess your skill set, and assess the other things you have going on in your life. Because if mm-hmm. you're like a kid who, who has you know, a situation that requires and mm-hmm. you have to work yeah. for your family, to eat you have to work for your family to eat you can't dismiss that and you want to play professional sports so you have to work 
you have to go to school and you have to do well in school. We need to decide like when and how are you going to make time to actually do that? Should that be your goal this year? I don't Mm -hmm. know, but you have to assess everything in your life and then make your decision. So that's what I would say. Stop doing stuff, assess, stop doing things, set your big goal and set some smaller goals and then attack one small goal at a time. Just attack one. Great point. It's as easy to understand just as it sounds. So one thing that I can do moving forward to get me a step closer to my goals is first of all, break it down. You know, so all the things that I want to do, break it down into little pieces because mm-hmm. the little pieces that you see, then it's easier for you to act upon them. Then of course, assess where you currently are. That's something that I always say every single time. You need to assess where you are. You can't think that you're a level A player when actually you're a level D player because you're going yep. to be operating on that mindset that, oh, I'm a level A. So the things that you should be doing, you're not going to be doing them. You're going to miss out on the opportunities that you have just because you haven't assessed where you currently yep. are. So great, great points, Angela. Thank you so much uh, for joining me today on the show. Thoroughly enjoyed the conversation and I'm glad we we're able to do this. Tell us where we can find you, um, social media, emails, uh, your website, or how it is that we can connect with you going forward. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. This has been so much fun. I've loved this conversation. You can find more about me. My website is AngelaRLewis.com. Mm-hmm. AngelaRLewis.com. On Instagram and Twitter, mm-hmm. A Lewis underscore speaks. So A Lewis underscore speaks. And Facebook, Angela Lewis. So oh, I look I forward to um, hearing from you all. And, you know, if you want to grab a copy of the Game Changing Assist, Post Moves, the like Fundamental Game Plan, all of that, it goes on, on there as well. Definitely, we're going to do that. So Angela R. Lewis, you know, that's the website, AngelaRLewis.com. And you can also find her on Twitter as well, Angela R. Lewis. On Instagram, it's at A. Lewis underscore speaks. And of course, you know, I went there, so I was struggling in the snow. Not, not the snow, it was, it was just oh, cold. Oh, <laughs> It's so it was, cold. It was, it was, was just out. cold. But it's a, it's a, it's a pleasure to yeah, have her I'll on. i keep and running, course, so come watch my running chronicles. Ah, yeah, watching the running chronicles. So any day that you don't get out there, trust <laughs> me, you're going to see a message from me. I'm like, what, are you quitting already? We just had an interview. To go. <laughs> you know, and things like that. So maybe that keeps you. On right, your, it's only been three days. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That keeps, you, that keeps you on your toes. But I've thoroughly enjoyed this. Thank you so much. And of course, I will look forward to hearing more from you in future, Angela. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. I think you guys see all I saw in Angela as well. That's why, you know, we had spoken for 20 minutes before I realized that I forgot to hit the record button. You know, we just flowed in this conversation and you could see that as well. You think we'd known each other for such a long time, but that is actually not the case. You know, random email, checked out the website and of course, put on and of course, we continue that relationship as well. If there's anything, guys, uh, that we didn't talk about that you would have wanted us to talk about, send me a mail, toll up at athletemaestro.com and I want you to copy Angela in that email as well info at angelarlewis.com so that's angelarlewis.com info at angelarlewis.com I want you to copy her in that email as well tell us what you learned from the podcast tell us something you'd have wanted us to talk about or any feedback that you have from us as it relates to that episode of course you can check out Angela's website as well maybe you'll be as fascinated as I was when I checked it out angelarlewis.com Com. And of course, you can find her on Instagram at a Lewis underscore speaks. So Angela Lewis speaks. A Lewis underscore speaks. It was a conversation I thoroughly enjoyed. I look forward to bringing her back on the podcast probably in the future, of course. But for now, enjoy this episode. But remember, don't just enjoy. Go out there, 
and actually put these things into practice it makes no good or it makes no sense for you to listen to a voice enjoy the conversation and then go back to sleep you actually have to put these things into action of course don't forget head over to the website alimash.com so many other free resources that we have for you there and of course leave us a rating and review subscribe to the podcast as well so that you don't miss great episodes like this with people that you can learn from atlimash.com subscribe where you can learn how to leave that rating and review and of course if you have any questions whatsoever send me a mail tola at atlimash.com you can copy angela in that mail as well info at angela r lewis.com i'll catch you guys on the next episode of the show remember knowing is not enough you must apply willing is not enough you must do want to go out there learn all the great lessons you can from this amazing episode with Angela Lewis. I want you to go out there and I want you to be a maestro today and every single day.